What's going on, everybody? It's your boy Fab, Freddie Fox, America's Big Brother, and we back with another episode of the Saturday Night Sit Down. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy Fab, Freddie Fox, America's Big Brother, and today I have the pleasure of sitting with one of my longtime, longtime good friends, First Sergeant Dan Welton. How are you, man? I'm doing fantastic, brother. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. No, man, of course, of course, man. I definitely, like I said, like I explained to everybody, the whole point of this podcast is just trying to help the younger generation, trying to help these kids really understand what it is to be a good person and how to be a, you know, a good man and really avoid these steps and try to get themselves situated in life. Like I struggled a while trying to find out where, who I was, what I'm supposed to do and all these things. And by speaking with people like you and, you know, we help them give a little bit more advice, maybe make things a little bit more clear and set people on a better path than where they are. You know what I mean? I got you. Um, so yeah, man, it's just, it's like, I know we were talking, chopping it up before this, man, but um, you know, one of the main reasons, like I said, not only just, just being such a longtime friend, you know, is that, you know, Growing up, like we were just saying to it from different backgrounds, different things like that, man, I've learned so much and how your family took me in from day one, you know, in a first sleepover and stuff like that, and really just made me feel so comfortable and so much love and acceptance was just super incredible. And a lot of things that I've seen in your household and things that you guys did as a family there, now I do with my very own family because it was different from, you know, what I was used to, you know what I mean? Like I, we always sit down for dinner for Thanksgiving you know, so when I slept over your house all those times and we would sit down and your parents, you know, had me either set the table with the plates or, you know, I mean, get things going and stuff like that. And we just had a conversation was so beautiful. And, and every day for dinner, man, it's a point like I tell you that with me, my wife and my two kids that we sit down at the table and just talk about our days and see how it is like that and really have sense of that. And I have your family to thank for that. You know, what I mean, so I truly appreciate that. Yeah, because we we uh because we got up at like what first grade, like yeah. six years old. Yeah. Uh, so just the the you know, and same thing with your family. Because uh, completely different culture. The whole the whole Puerto Rican side is something that I you know right, was, was right. very well <laughs> introduced to at, you know at a at a young age. Uh, so the, those definite blendings and exposures to different cultures really shaped uh, how I am, how I became as a man, also, and and how I interact with with my own family, my own kids, because. We're, you know, my family right now, my kids are living in Alabama uh, right now. A little, little long story on how all that happened, but that's completely different than from where I grew up and, you know, from, from where we grew up in, in Connecticut and Stanford it is, uh, you know, been all over, been all over the place, you know, been lived in Germany, lived in uh, Northern New Hampshire, which you like, in uh, Colorado, Georgia, Alabama, uh, I'm, I'm out in Texas right now. So just the, the constant moving around is a uh, is put a huge impact on my life, and, and it really started at the uh, at that young age, and it started out hanging out with your family, also. No, awesome man, and I appreciate that. You know, it was just all love. So that's what I wanted to get us to talk to, and just seeing it and share different experiences and stuff like that of where we are. So normally, like I always do with all my 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 podcast on these episodes, is I started off with this question for you, and to you, what are the qualities or characteristics that you feel make up a good man or a good person? So quality and characteristics that make a good man. Uh, first off, honesty and loyalty. If, if you, you say what you mean and, and you do what you say, is uh, that's a trademark of a man right there. Right, right. I'm going to 
if, if you're you're running around and you're saying different things and, and you're you're, you're two faced and, and you're cutthroat, people aren't going to respect that. People aren't going to trust that. And I know people run around and they feel how what, what's best for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, call them withems. Uh, a what's in it for me kind of guy. And that's really, really not what what makes a, a good man, in my opinion, is someone who, who has that, that honesty, that honor and that integrity. And those what they say someone's down. It, it's about helping them up, about bringing it, bringing them up, especially someone that you're around. Uh, taking care of yourself and taking care of, of your own is, is is really important. But also helping out your, your fellow man is, is also a big part of it is. And if you have that reputation of, of being honest mm-hmm. and, and doing what you say and following through, that's a reputation that money can't buy. Absolutely. Uh, that's, that's a, so that, so that makes is what makes a good man. And that's a role model. That's somebody who can you look up to and say, I can count on him. He's dependable. Right. Yes. And I, this is so important. Like you said too, just like meaning what you're saying and being that. Cause like my mom would always tell me too, man, I'd rather be, be, hated for who I am than liked from who I'm not, you know, and mm-hmm. really making sure that, you know, staying true to yourself. And those are the important things too that she taught me too, is really looking out for people because I, I, and I say this all the time, and I absolutely love people. I like to sit down and talk. I will have a conversation with anybody, anywhere, at any time, any place, because there's a whole part of also too, like I get a lot from that too, just learning from their experiences, learning from their past, learning from things that they have been through and stuff like that. And and always trying to help somebody out when I can too. Like I tell my daughter, you know, if you see somebody and you could help, just help. You don't know what's going on. You know what they're going through and stuff like that. But if you have the ability to help, just do that because it'll go such a long, long way and really start building a better, you know, character for yourself, you know, and, and being that kind of person, but also how people look to, like you said, to being dependable, somebody that can rely on and trust and, and, and you know, know that they have their back because, you know, it's that too, you know, loyalty and, and honesty and, and all those things are so, so important in, in being somebody because you don't want to be shady. You know, everybody knows that shady person at, at workplace or wherever yeah, that yeah, person yeah. is just kind of like, you don't want to, yeah. you don't trust them as far as you would throw them, you know? Yeah. You don't want to trust that person. You don't want to be that person. Uh, you know, the shady, that they're the scumbags. And there, there's an ulterior motive into the reason why they're shady. And it's not to, to help out you or to anybody else on that team. It's about what they can get out of you. What, how much blood can they suck out of you before they leave? Like you said, the whiffums, right? Like the whiffums, the whiffums, man. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Man. Yeah. Um, so along with those parts too, as far as like those being characteristics and stuff like that, and, and and to you, what are some of your your most important morals or things that you really are just do or die for you that you stick to no matter what? You know, uh, you know, what's the golden rule, right? Treat others as, as you want to be treated. Um, so that, that's a big part of it, but it's also about giving people a chance too. So having having that patience, because you know, not everybody's from the same culture, not everybody has that same background. Right. Some people are a lot less trusting than others and, and a lot less prone to to see the world through your eyes. But just treat people how you want to be treated uh, is, is a big thing. Uh, and I got I kind of got a three-strike rule with a lot of people is I, I treat everybody fairly uh, fairly with ethical and more morality and you know how i want to be treated and then if they they don't return that to me i'll give them a chance but after a while it, it they're cut off and then yeah. they're done yeah. and then it's like hey you're the kind of person that i don't want to associate with you don't have those type of morals so 
have treat others the way that you want to be treated and then surrounding yourself with like-minded people not necessarily you know we don't always have to agree but have right, right. the the common courtesy to be able to to treat others with that same type of respect and that's what i mean by like-minded is i have the same basic fundamentals of how i treat people as this person or that person and those are the kind of people that i want to surround myself with because diversity is the, the key to life Absolutely. the more diverse a group is the, the stronger that group can be but if you got to cut out the, the toxicity because a toxic person doesn't matter what they can do if they're toxic and they don't treat people right that's a that, that's a moral ground that that i, I don't want to be and I know yeah. many others don't want to be part of also. And it's like that saying that they always say, you know, one bad apple spoils a bunch. You feel me? It's you true. really got to weed out, weed out those people who are just trying to drag other people down and, and, and really don't have anything to offer. And they only just want to take, you know. Um, so so I definitely agree with that as well. Now, um, now as we're going on there, too, like a lot of these things is like I talk with people is is. I've known a lot of people whose fathers were in their picture, were not in their picture, stuff like that. And mm-hmm. really just seeing the impact on how that had on them as a person growing up. Um, and for you, I mean, like, like I said, your dad was, uh, every time I think about your dad, I always think about the time we were outside on, on, on the porch and we were having a little cookout and stuff. And I was telling him about um, how I was undefeated in baseball, but I was like, Oh, my team lost one game. And he was like, well, technically you're not undefeated. I was like, well, I wasn't there. So technically I'm undefeated. And we just had a really good <laughs> laugh and stuff like that. But he was just such, he, to, to me, like I said, just being there on the, you know, it was there almost every single weekend. He was just so involved and, you know, spent time with us either playing with us, doing certain things, you know, teaching us things and stuff like that. Yeah. So for you, again, like you had him 24-7. I mean, what is your overall relationship with your dad like? So the relationship with my dad is is interesting because, um, you know, now, now I'm sitting here in my mid-30s, but I'll still call my dad up and I'll still ask him for advice. And something I didn't appreciate when I was younger is how right my dad has been on a lot of things. And I really didn't understand that or appreciate that when I was, you know, teenagers. You know, right, teenagers, right. teenagers know everything. But when, when it came down to, to so many things, uh, just the, the advice he had, he had given me has, has carried so much weight. And, you know, I, 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 to this day, I still look up to my father for, for having, having the balls to stand up for what's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know he was at his, uh, at his job. He wasn't getting treated right. And he looked at him in the eyes like, you know what? I'm done. I quit and walked out. And, and to me, that's, that's crazy. That's nuts, man. Just that, just, just having the, the testicular fortitude to, to walk away from a sure thing kind of blows my mind a little bit because I don't without having anything else set up in the background but just betting on yourself and believing in yourself is just the, the cornerstone mm-hmm. of a uh, of that of uh, of my father uh, man you could go on he's just you know, and, and just because you brought that up, man, I, very, very similar with, with, with my dad, man. And I think that's the same thing that left a major impact on me is that, um, like you said, man, I'm, I'm, for the people who don't may or may not know, I'm 100% Puerto Rican. And mm-hmm. the thing about that is, is, is my mom is, I'm even darker than my mom, but my dad is white with green eyes. You know what I mean? Like, if you've seen Spasm Bible, you, you know, people will never suspect that that's my dad. Um and I always remember one time I went to, I, w- I just got my license and I was driving around and whatever. And I was like, my dad worked in, in Costco in Greenwich. I was like, you know, I just want to go by and see my dad at work, just say what's up to him and stuff. Um, so I pulled up to his job 
And I asked, uh, I asked his boss and I was like, you know, is Freddie here? And he's like, yeah, one second, man. And he, and he goes to the back and I hear him and he yells out, hey, Freddie, some niggers here to see you. And boy, like I say, man, I think the only reason that dude did not die that day because my dad didn't want to see me catch a, see him catch a body. But I mean, he spazzed, man, and he cursed his boss out up down left and right. And he told him, like, you know, if you cut me open, I'm blacker than he is. You know what? Fuck this job, F you, and I'm out. And he packed yeah. the balls, took us, and he left. You know, and that was one of the the most, I guess, pivotal moments for myself. Like you said, I see my dad, like, you know what? I, I'm not going to take that. You know what I mean? I really just mm-hmm. standing for what he believes and not going to be disrespected, not going to have his family disrespected or talk to him in any which manner. And was like, yo, I'm out. And then he left, you know, so that is something that that That's, really yeah. resonated, you know, with me and, and, and seeing that firsthand. Yeah, absolutely. I know uh, when I was learning how to drive, my dad owned the, owned the uh, auto parts store in Port Chester. And I was learning how to drive. He, he was uh, selling the shop and he was going around and he was making, uh, making some collections for people that owed him money, closing out accounts and whatnot, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know he, he went up to this one guy's shop who owed him a bunch of money. He's been, you know, he's a snake in the grass and he's been, been ducking and not paying for, for a long time. And, you know, dad calls him on the phone. He's like, hey, I'm coming down. X, Y, and Z, you're going to have what, uh, have your money. He's like, yeah, 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 I've got the money, Dave. Come on, come on down. It's like, okay. So I drive the, driving down there, down around the Port Chester, you know, learning how to drive manual inside of the city. So that was exciting. Me, right? <laughs> uh, and so we pull up into the shop and then auto, automatically the guy's uh, giving him lip. He's like, oh, I was like, what are you doing? Just come just walking in here without letting me know. No, I don't got your money. I'm not like, I don't know when I'm going to have your money. Blah, 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 blah. And uh, he's like, OK, said a couple of words and we get back in the car. He's like, hey, and stay here for a second. And he gets back out and he walked into the shop. And there's probably about 15 guys working in there. And I don't know what was said. Uh, my dad told me what he said, but uh, I'm not going to get you demonetized here. He, uh, <laughs> uh, just, just watching that, just walking up and just, just standing up for what's right and what's owed to you, man, that, that left such a such an impact on my life uh, so much. I you know, I never knew the, the end of the game of that story. Uh yeah, my dad got all of his money or not. I, ne- I never knew. I never asked. After, after watching that conversation and watching that go down, I was like, okay, that's a that's a touchy subject that I'm not going to bring back up. But just the whole conversation, get back and I said, you know what, just stay here for a second. I'll be right back. Keep the car running. <laughs> yeah, no, no. And, and like I said, man, your dad is, is what was an amazing person, man. It was an amazing mm-hmm. person. And, 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 and it's, it was so cool, again, just being, like I said, that being so welcoming and just so at home and really just feeling out as one of his and even that too man like i said your family would take me to church with you guys yeah you know what i mean like and, and all those things so all of those things were again like just showing me what it's like to be from somewhere else and just just understanding and really just having that sense of of, of love you know just for for anybody you know what i mean like it didn't matter and, and i don't want to get too deep into it because again it, it's not about race and never business but like you know, it, it really didn't matter what I looked like, where I came from, anything like that, man. Your parents saw me. I was a person. I was their son's best friend. I was here, and they were going to take yeah. care of me and protect me, and, and and they did that every single time I was over, um, and which, which I really funny. appreciate that. Which is funny, because that's going back to the, to the early 90s that, mm-hmm. that you and I started first started hanging out, and, and here we are 20 years later, and people are having that conversation like, oh, man, diversity. It's just, you know, everybody became really tribalistic. Lately, mm-hmm. where, where, you know, when we were kids, I don't think it, I don't know, maybe I'm naive, but I don't it, remember it being that tribalistic. I think kids. it was, it was just like, 
I mean, your parents were just like that, man. They were so good at just showing, and you know, just it didn't really matter, you know. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, like uh, just for myself, and even at that, man, I would go into to the, the bodegas where I used to live at, and mm-hmm. just the, the people there being Spanish descent, they didn't know I was Spanish. I just looked like some other black kid in the street. I remember walking in there one time, and this lady yelled to the guy in the back in Spanish, "You know, watch this kid. He's gonna steal something." You know, and of course, I understood exactly what she was saying, yeah. but I played stupid. I was going to go in there for my bag of chips and my soda, but I was like, you know what? Let me see where this goes. So I started walking up and down the aisles and stuff like that. And I would see the guy at the corner of my eye, like just following me around the store with a broom, like trying to be <laughs> slick. Um, and then I finally get to the front of the store and I started asking her for some things behind the counter in Spanish. And she turned so red, so red. You know what I mean? Like, and I wasn't going to flip, but I just wanted to let her know, like, just you don't judge a book by its cover. You don't no. know who or what or where they're coming from. You know, and 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 I think it's just more like you said now, like it, it's it's social because of social media, because of the smartphones, yeah. all the things that people are able to report and put things out there and really create that divide and unnecessary things. You know, what I mean, like when everything and I, and I say this because I reached out to your brother too. When everything happened with George Floyd and all this stuff about people hating on cops and stuff, and I know you, yeah, I don't know if he's still in part of the um, the NYPD. Yeah, um, yeah, but I know at the time the he, okay, cool. Because I remember he was out there, and um, you know, I remember people just wilding out, and I remember this one cop got they just walked up to the car and they shot him dead. And my heart dropped because I was like, Man, if that's what I'm gonna lose my mind, because you know, people just being ignorant, they don't know who will is, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. and you know, how he was for me again, like just a big brother, you know what I mean? Like he would tease me like a big brother, and you know, we would play around, play fight and jumping down, but he was also there just let me in his room, play on his computer and stuff like that. So I, I just know him as a person, know you guys as a family. So that I was just like torn because if something happened to him because of people being ignorant, not knowing the type of person that he is, is is bananas and retarded to yeah. me, just point blank. You know what I mean? Like Yeah. Yeah, man. It was definitely definitely scary. Uh that was that was definitely some scary, scary times. I'm hearing all this stuff, man. Uh you know, brother's like, it's like, hey man, you be careful. I was like, no, don't worry about me. Don't worry about me. Like, I'm, I'm fine. Like, like you, want, you're like, you're in the South Bronx, man. You need to you know, take care of yourself. You need to watch yourself more than, yeah. than I need to watch mine. I got me. Don't worry about me. I'm in the Middle East. Yeah, I know where I'm at. Don't worry. About right. You me. know I'm what I'm fine. saying? Like, you know what the enemy looks like here. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, yeah. some dude just coming up out of nowhere. Just you don't know who or who he can't trust and stuff, man. But you know, I, I, I just, I. I worry about him. I think about it too with all that stuff that's going down because again, just I know how you guys are. I know the type of people that you are and how welcoming and loving and, and stuff like that. It was just very, very scary for me at the time and just seeing that stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's scary for a lot of a lot of us, man. Uh it really is. And it's still it's still there. The yeah. the the it's still there. I don't know. It's uh something else. But hopefully my brother told me his story. Uh you know, about when they finally, you know, when, once things started calming down in New York and they got back and they're doing the regular patrol, you know, some uh, uh, lady in the South Bronx came up and was like, hey, thank God you guys are back. Keep our neighborhood safe. I appreciate that. You know, that, that type of stuff, which is uh, not on, not uh, not really heard of in, uh, in that part of the city. So, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and, and that's my thing too, is that like, what we said about being tribalistic and all those things is like, oh, like all cops are horrible. No, you know yeah. what I mean? Like anywhere you go, it doesn't matter. I don't care where you're from. You know, there's going to be a few bad apples. You know what I'm saying? Like, of course. there's nothing that's perfect. You know what I mean? But you can't paint an entire, you know, group of people just like that because of one person and one incident. You know what I mean? Like, or several people. I don't know if it's happened several times, but that doesn't mean that everybody's like that. You yeah. Know what I mean, and people join to be safe. Yeah. And like you said, the social media is really, 
really intensified that whole thing because I can record five minutes of a situation not knowing what happened before or what happened right. after, but I can show you the same thing. And it's a lot of that same stuff happened uh, for where where I was in, uh, in Iraq and in Baghdad. It's, it's, you see stuff on the news reporters about X, Y, and Z is going on. And you're like, ah, that, that's not really what, what went down. It's not really how it, how it happened. Um, fortunately, we, you know, not, not too much stuff going on, but uh, like we run the investigation uh, when I was in, in Baghdad for things that were not necessarily true, but for part of the story got out, right? But not the whole thing. And then next thing you know, I got I'm on an investigation. I'm locked down. I can't go here. I can't go there. This is going on. I'm getting interviewed by this guy, by that guy. You're like, whoa, whoa, what the hell's going on? I'm like, oh, this is what we heard. It's like from who? None of that's happened. We talk. Right, right, right. Like, what? So social media has really, really blown that up. And, and like, I, like I said earlier, about having patience. If you want page, people to have patience with you, then you need to have patience with other people. And it's have to treat others the way that you want to be treated. And in, in all aspects. Yeah, it's easy to say that and say like, oh, my people are being treated like this. But like, back off off the tribalistic because you don't know what that guy did. That guy, you may not want that guy in your camp because he may be that shady character. He may be right. that snake in a grass who's cutting people's throats. But because he looks like you or he's the same religion as you or, or this other thing, you think he's part of your, your group. He's part of your camp. He may not no. judge people no. by their merits. Exactly. He's, uh, exactly. He's, uh, it can go so far. No, definitely, definitely. And then and- kind of go off there too because i know like i said that you know that with your dad and having that relationship and like you said you you took for granted a lot of things that he showed you and just the, how right he was about things mm-hmm. um for you growing up man what do you think is the most important thing that you've learned from him uh i think the most important thing my father ever had me do was talk to people uh look i was young and i had to go to the, his shop and work on work on Saturdays, you know, I'm like 10 years old, 11 years old. It's like, Hey, we're going on our parts delivery. Like, okay, go to the delivery one. I get out, I walk to the garage. I go in there. It's like, Hey, tell this guy what the parts numbers are. What's the work order you're going for this, that, and the other. It's like, I don't want to talk to this guy. This is a grown ass man working in a shop. He's got a pet raccoon. Bro. I don't want to talk to this guy. <laughs> you know? Uh, but he forced me to talk to people. He forced me to talk to people that I normally would never conversate with, whether that's, that's on the phone with, with something else. That's with, a customer that's with somebody down the street, just just talking to people and having building those that interpersonal connection, right. and just that skill alone has carried me very far. I I can conversate with everybody now. Yeah, I can, you know, and part of my job as a as a first sergeant, I have over 150 soldiers uh, that I'm responsible for from all different walks of life you know religious creed race background uh i got a guy from nepal in my company uh it's all good stuff man but i can but having that interpersonal connections and being able to talk to people and relate to people from where they are has gone it has really helped me out yeah immensely and I think that's huge. Like you said, like your dad forced you to talk to people and stuff like that, because I think that also forces us to to keep an open mind. You know what I mean? Like really not to get ahead of ourselves or jump, just really sit down and listen. Um, and, and 
I've done that two years and I've been a manager in so many different places and in charge of so many different, you know, people and, and having to get people from different backgrounds, religions, stuff like that, or personality and stuff. And not everybody's the same. And, and that's a very important skill to be able to listen and adapt and be able to relay what you need to relay to a person in a way that they understand, you know what I mean? And really get what you need out of them or explain things in a way that they're able to handle and, and still create that relationship that they can come talk to you about anything, you know? Yeah, really is. And because uh, you see some guys that, that don't have that skill, people that, or especially now with, with uh, having cell phones, I can text anybody. I don't want to have the conversation. Oh, see on social media. Oh, when somebody calls you, oh, freaking out. Right. But you don't have that interpersonal connection. Uh, and I see it now with a lot of my younger guys, my, 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 the, the teenagers that end up working for me. Having those tough conversations, they don't know how to react. So it's, mm-hmm. it's, it, it turns into an extreme, an extreme high or an extreme low because you, you're not used to having a tough conversation because your tough conversation has been over text for most of your life. You've asked a girl out over text. You've gotten broke up with over text or, or right. face, uh, face chat or whatever it is. You never had to go out there with your heart pounding butterflies in your chest and you don't know what she's going to say and you get that and have that conversation and it sounds like an idiot. People don't have that. So they don't have that skill. They don't have an experience that stress. Mm-hmm. And realize. So if you haven't ever experienced it, it turns into a significant emotional event with a lot. So that's something else, man. That's a, so that's probably the most important skill that I learned at, at, at a young age is just talking to people, just ha- have that conversation with somebody mm-hmm. to be able to find uh, something to relate to and to talk. Because even though somebody may not fit into my tribalistic camp, as we've been talking about, right. they, they very well could be somebody that I'd want on my team because we are have those same morals. We have those same beliefs. We have that same, that, that same core identity and not worried about the fringes. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that's like something that, that I, I, for me that, that I do something with my daughter too, because I, I, I personally, if I have something important to talk about somebody, I don't do it over text. I don't do it over phone. I need to see you face to face because number one, I need to read your body language. You yes. know what I'm saying? Like, because people through text can say, and then, you know what I mean? Like a bunch of different things and you don't really know what's going on and be easily taught lied to. But even like now too, like, I don't know if you've ever seen um, this show called lie to me. Um, yeah. But I, right. So all the, yeah, micro yeah, that's, that's an old one, huh? oh man, I love that show. And I got so intrigued and, and, and I studied so much of the micro expressions. Like I went to the website, I went to all these things doing all these trainings and stuff to really understand and watch people and how they act because the body doesn't lie. No. You know what I mean? Like, and, and it's so important for me to see people's reaction and that way I know how to navigate, you know, a conversation or really understand like what's happening. And if I'm being told the truth or anything like that, and that's something that I, I'm so uh, adamant with my daughter, you know what I mean? My son is two, so he doesn't, he's still running around something like that, but my daughter's yeah. five, about to be six. Um, and for the yeah. longest, man, one of my biggest thing is I tell her, don't lie. Don't ever lie. I don't care what it is about it, whether it's good, bad, or whatever. Don't you ever lie. Yeah. Because number one, I'm always going to find out. You know what I mean? And then now we yeah. tell like our parents stuff like that, but it's true. And I understand that because nobody knows you better than your parents. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's I know true. our body language and all those things and stuff like that. So that's so important to me. And, and also, 
I get her. Like my daughter is is such a people person, and that's what I like. We'll go anywhere. Like we're driving a car, she'll ask to roll a window down, and she sees people walking by, like, "Hi, how are you? I'm Nyla. What's going on? How are?" And it starts these conversations with people, which is so important because I don't want her to be in that that again that category of you know just text messaging and, and all those things yeah. or just being lacking those interpersonal skills. And, and for you, what are some of the things that some of the most important things that you try to teach your kids? Oh, I try to teach my kid. Uh, my son, especially. My son's uh, 11 years old now. Uh, wow. Right? Uh, <laughs> so my son's 11. So probably the biggest thing that I try to teach him is you have to believe in yourself. You have to have confidence in yourself. And whatever you attempt to do, you got to put your full effort behind it. You can't go into anything half co- half-ass and undercocked. You got to be ready to go. You have to put in your effort. You have to put in the work to be good at anything. And whatever you do and whatever you want to do, it's worth it to be good at it. So you got to put in the time and the effort to it. And building that confidence is a big thing, especially, you know, he's going into the, that, those teenage years, those middle school years. And I know uh, for myself, man, my, my confidence got rocked pretty hard uh, in middle school hmm. for, for myself, man. I, it's, like I found that I was dyslexic at like, 13 years old before that man you know i'm just getting told like oh you're stupid you don't know how to read right i was like hey, i don't think I'm, like, I'm not stupid but you know just reading's hard for me and I, and I don't know why and it probably wasn't until i was like 13 years old that i was like i understood that i understood what that means what can i do to improve on that and man i didn't do that that that, that just shook me up until you know throughout high school and, and into college and that's probably why i didn't even give i didn't give college a fair shake uh right after high school i did I did a semester of community college uh just ended up uh ended up working at a deli i was working at jackie's to go behind twin rinks in springdale i was making i was making pretty good money and i'm thinking I was like man if i'm making like 500 600 a week cash why do i need college what do I need college for if I'm making this much money at, at 18 years old, working half time? Right, right. I can, I can, this is a skill I can learn on and I can build on it. And that's where my mind was. At. And because it came down to go, goes back, goes back to that, that early confidence shape that I hit. Be like, no, you're too stupid for college. You, you, you can't handle it. You can't take it. You're just going to be wasting your money. It's that, that, that nagging and that doubt that, that rocked me that, I never want to hit my son. Never want to hit him. Because uh, right now I'm I'm finishing up a master's degree right now. Nice. And so that goes to show you about what you can do when you, when you really put your mind to it. Because I've been I've been full time in the army now, at 16 years. I was able to go do an entire bachelor's degree, and most of, I got like three classes left on a master's right now. So that goes to show you what what you could do and what you can what what you can accomplish when you apply yourself. So that's really what what I try to teach my son. Uh, and I hope that he understands that. And, and he probably doesn't because he's probably like me. He's probably not going to realize how right I am until he's much later. <laughs> so yeah, no, I think that that's coming always so because I man, I remember too, man, just just for me you know, going through through middle school and all that stuff and just, just being so overweight and I got picked on so much and just yeah. all those things really messed up my confidence as well. And mm-hmm. it took me so hard to to really 
have faith and believe in myself in a lot of things. So even like it just for now, like it, as soon as my daughter could understand the concept, I, you know, I have her recite to herself, you know what I'm saying? I'm brave, I'm bold, I'm beautiful, I'm confident, you know what I mean? All the time. And don't let anybody else do, do you know, try to bring you down or, or you know, disrupt that things because it's, it's hard, man. You know what I mean? Like in all those things you, and it's not so much about what people say that much. This is that they start the, the little, uh, that little voice in your head and then you mm-hmm. yourself start to uh you know exaggerate it and really you know your mind like yeah. i always say man, my mind is a very scary place you know what i'm saying like you let yourself wander and you have a little thing of doubt like oh you're stupid then it's like oh you can't do this and you really start beating yourself up and that person is long gone and disappeared but now you're still left with this little demon in your head telling you that you're not good enough for certain things um yeah. and, and i started reading things and like you said re- about like you know not knowing what you're capable of and stuff. I've been listening to a lot of audiobooks and one that I'm finishing up now, it's, um, it's called uh, The Mindset Makeover. Um, and in it, um, one of the things that really stuck out is a, a quote that I created from it is, is that we are only bound to the boundaries we create in our own mind. You know what I mean? Like if we set a limit to ourselves, that's as far as we can go. It doesn't matter what anybody else tells us. It doesn't matter how much other people believe in us. If we say that that's our limit, if we create that line, that's as far as we're going to go. And that's, you know, trying to encourage my daughter as much as I can that you don't know how far you can go unless you try, unless you do these things and put yourself out there. Like, don't cut yourself short at anything because you don't know what you're capable of. Yeah, it really is. Uh, so that's really what I try to instill on my son and my daughter, who's, uh, she turns eight here in about nine days. Uh, she's, she's, a, she's, man, she's, she's a spitfire, brother. Uh, <laughs> she is, she's tough. Uh, she's motivated, she's dedicated, she's focused. And I'm like, man, she's got all the attributes of her mother, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, man, that, that's beautiful. It, it, it's, it's fantastic. And I'm, and I'm so proud of both for, for all the things that they're, they're, they're doing and they're accomplishing. And, and, and I'm just so excited to see what they're going to do in the future. That's probably the, my, the best thing about being a father is seeing what my kids can accomplish and where life is going to take them. It's, right. it's fantastic. It really right, is. Man. It, it's, and, and I'm sure that you probably go through this too. And I understand that guys, our parents said that too, but like, I just find myself just catch myself, just looking at them. Like, those are really my kids, man. Like, yeah. I, I really like, remember, like six years ago, this person didn't exist until I decided to do something about, it, you know what I mean? Like, and, and it's seeing how much they are and, and, and that's one of my greatest joys, too, is because my daughter is, again, she's such a loving person. She's so mm-hmm. kind hearted and she just loves everybody. And just her teachers and all this kind of like, oh, my God, we love her so much. Like, she's such a yeah. helper. Like, she's so kind. And it's just like, you know, as parents, you know, we always doubt ourselves. You know what I'm saying? Like, we just always like, think we, we get those things. Am I doing the right thing? Is is this because uh, that's what somebody else before we, we can do everything that our parents did to us but our kids are still going to be completely different. doesn't yeah. mean they're going to fall the same thing because they're a whole different person. You know what I mean? A whole different person and, and they're growing up in a whole different world. Right. You got, my son's got, my kid's got a, uh, an iPhone, bro. You know, you got the, we, we got the cheap iPhone for him, but he's still got a damn iPhone. So texting, internet at, at his fingertips. He's like, oh, I, I don't want to Google this. He's out there. I don't know what he did to my Google account, but he's got like weird like dragon pictures all over my Google. I don't know how to get rid of it. <laughs> uh, but so no matter what, how I was raised is a world that no longer exists. Right. It's a new world for them. And it's something that changes 
every day. Technology is growing by leaps and bounds. Look at us, brother. We're on the other side of the country and we're on we're on a video camera, right? Right, right. <laughs> Nuts. No, and it's uh, crazy. Because like you said, yeah. like, they have so much things that they act as like my daughter is, is again, she's turning six and you know, we got like a um, a Google mini in the living room. And she'll ask us a question. She's like, you know, daddy, what do what do owls eat? And I'm like, um, I don't know, like rats and pellets and stuff. Hold on. Hey, Google, what do I like, say? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yes. Yeah. So on the website, WebMD.com. Oh, speaking say, of that. There you go. <laughs> the, shade the shade tree is found in east and west. Oh, of God. The shea butter comes from two oily kernels within the shade tree seed. And that's where we are, these things. And that's where we are. And that's where we are in this new world, man. Uh, so it, it's something that I learned on. You can't you can't run from the change. You can't run from it, especially with, with the kids on. You can't run from it. You have to embrace it. And you have to do the best that you can do with it. Because um, there's always going to be those people who are going to look at you and judge and say, you're not raising your kids right. I would do this different. I would do that different hell do you know you don't right right because you don't know what's going on with my kids and you don't have those same set of morals i have uh my 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 wife and kids are in alabama right now uh for the time being and they're doing uh taekwondo right doing doing great at it they're killing it they're like weren't learning how to fight with nunchucks and swords it's calm down but uh one of, one of these ladies, one of these old Southern southern ladies was trying to say something to my son. And my son, didn't, he didn't appreciate it. I don't know what she was trying to say. My son's like, hey, calm down, bro. And just walks past her. And she's like, oh, you can't talk to me like that. He's like, yeah, you can't talk to me like that either. And he walks off. And my wife's like, my wife's very, very, very got that, that, that New York attitude still, even though we haven't lived there in so long. She very much has that attitude. And she's like, yeah. It's like, hey, uh, maybe don't talk to my son. Maybe just talk to me about it. How about that? Right. Yeah. I don't know who you think you are trying to talk to my son, but uh, you get what you get. Yeah. And and it's true, man. It's just people always got got a view and opinion and stuff. And and we just got to, I guess, just let it go and go on. Because people always got something to say when they can't do something themselves. You know what I mean? Like, and they they have the greatest ideas for everything else. But, you know, if you look back, I'm sure like her kids probably are. (laughs) I'm sure (laughs) they're just fine. I'm I'm sure they're just fine for how she raises her kids in Alabama. And right, I, right. Until my, but, uh, it's funny. I, we, you know, we've lived there for now for about four four years, five years. And I, I tell my son, it's like, hey, just because we're living in Alabama does not mean we're going to talk to people from Alabama. Uh, <laughs> so do my best to try to keep that uh, southern accent away from him. But I think that's a losing battle. Yeah, no, I'm a, but again, like the, the good thing about that is that they're just exposed to so many different things, and whether good or bad or whatever, I mean, they get to get that experience, and it's going to help shape them into some less. And I think it's like you said about like the whole technology thing in us. Like you said, we don't have to, we we can't run from it. We got to try to stay ahead of it. You know what I mean? Like so, I introduce our kids stuff like that, and I show her different things and stuff because I don't want somebody else trying to teach them the wrong way or if that's stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like perfect example like well, when it comes to like her tablet and stuff like that she can have it i set limits to it and stuff like that if they where she can or can't go you yep. know because i got other nieces and nephews who are all over tiktok and all over these things and stuff like that and that's not what i'm about i don't want her exposed to that because of what's on there so i'm ahead of it like yeah hey, you don't do this and she knows you know what i mean like she understands that because i was forceful and i got ahead of the ball and i educated her the do's and don'ts of how i want her to be as a person and how i want her to handle these things yeah, like I said, well, we were talking earlier, social media is a, it's a toxic place. 
Uh, so I'm gonna do my best to, to keep, to educate my children before they get exposed to that, the best that I can. Right. It's right. gonna happen. So for all that, but it's it's an exciting time. And it's, a, and it's tough being in the army. There has been long periods of time where I've done parenting over Zoom or, or over Facebook Live, Facebook Messenger, uh, with video chats with my kids because I'm physically not there and I'm not physically there right now. I get to go home about uh, once a month, get to buy a plane ticket and fly on over as long as COVID stays down, stays calm. Uh, continue, can you continue on doing it? Because I'm winding out the end of my career. So we have right. to make, the, make that, uh, that hard call on what's best for the family. Do we sell the house? Do we move our family out to Central Texas? Does the wife quit her job? Do we lose the friends and the hobbies and the activities that they are in? And do we uproot the family to put down temporary roots here in Texas? Or do we keep the family there? I go over here. I'm working crazy hours anyway. I'm about to go off on, a, on another adventure here shortly. When I can go back and I still have a home to come home to. Right. So, so like you said, like being in the military and going on like like 16 years and stuff like that. For you, what was the deciding factor? What made you want to join the military? Uh, so after high school, um, like I said, I was pretty lost. We talked a little bit about it earlier. I had that uh, that doubt going on, a little bit of that doubt. So went off and I was going to do community college, try to figure out what's go- what I'm going to do. Started working, started making a job, getting good money. Uh, so I, hey, college isn't for me. I like making money more than I like reading books. Let me figure this out. Maybe I go to trade school. Maybe I go to trade school, learn a trade, start making some money that way. And I ended up getting fired from that deli job uh, like maybe a month after I dropped out of college. So I was like, ugh. All right. Yeah. And uh, – I was actually with uh, with my wife. My wife was going to college and she's working at Starbucks. She's like, hey, I got to go pick up my paycheck. I was like, yeah, I'll come with you and get a free coffee. That's how it works. Ended up uh, running into a recruiter there, talking to him for a few minutes. I'm like, you know, we were, uh, I was watching the news at the time uh, about what's going on. And there's a lot of that stuff on, on stop loss. Stop loss going on. And that's for, for people that don't know, that's where, uh, where the contract for the military was up. But they were keeping them there anyway because there was not enough people enlisting. And that was about 2004, 2005 was when that was really going on. And that was pretty high up there. And I remember sitting to myself thinking, it's like, what the hell's wrong with me? What am I doing for all these guys that have already been out there? They've already done their time. They've already been over there. They served it. And now they're saying they can't leave because people like me aren't stepping up to the plate. I was like, I, I can't do that. So, yeah, I enlisted, uh, went off. Uh, originally was going to be a uh, UAV pilot. UAV pilot didn't, uh, didn't work out. Wasn't, uh, wasn't so much available. And I was going to go do uh, work on Apaches. Right. And uh, I thought my recruiter was lying to me when I got in there. I'm ready to sign the contract because it's a, it's a six-year contract for anything in aviation. And I wasn't, I wasn't uh, aware of that. Wow. The sign, sign on the line. I, was, I figured I was doing three and done. So uh, I backed off of that and I ended up uh, joining the Army to, to be a tank mechanic. And I figured, hey, I do you know, three years here, get back off, have money for college, 
try to reassess where I am right. in life and go out there and, and apply it. So the decision to join really came out of two different places. One, I had dropped out of college and I had lost my job. Um, I looked around and I seen all my friends are going off to different places. I got friends that were in college across the place, friends that are have gone abroad, guys that have gotten accepted into very good schools, uh, people that are working, making money, and, and here am I. I get a job working at Trader Joe's. I don't want to work at a grocery store my whole life, bro. Right, right. The world's passing me by at a young age, and I'm watching everybody sprinting down the track, and I'm standing still, and that drove me crazy. Combined all that with me talking to this guy at Starbucks, well, that's that's really what, what drove it. It's like I was lost. Bottom line is I was lost as a young man, and I needed something to do, something to jumpstart me. And that's what I was looking for. And I thought the Army would be a good place to jumpstart. And I was talking to my father. And he's like, hey, you're going to go off there. Yeah, the Army's going to get what they want out of you. No matter what, you got to make sure that you get out of the Army. You get something out of the Army. You get what you want out of the Army. He's like, so we talked. We go over the options. I was like, yeah. It's like, hey, I like fixing stuff. I like figuring things out. So... Agreed on doing something, something mechanical, something technical, a technical job where I could have at least a base foundation of a skill when right. I walk out. So it's not, you know, I, you know, like, oh, cool, bro. I can throw a hand grenade 50 meters. Awesome, man. <laughs> that doesn't, doesn't really apply too well to the civilian gig, right? Right, right. Uh, so went off the, the fixed tanks, and that was pretty cool. Uh, and I learned a lot, and... Uh, Really doing that job is really when I found out just uh, how to how to really deal with my dyslexia a lot because I'm reading these technical manuals and you know real precise stuff you know this troubleshooting this here this wire there this is there power X Y and Z yeah yeah a lot of uh, electrical troubleshooting and you read something wrong you do something wrong it's a big deal it's a big deal man you're talking about tens of thousands if not hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of a equipment that you're charging the taxpayer dollars then you're spending two or three hours replacing it come to find out you're an idiot and you did it wrong and now you got to start again and you're getting 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 chewed up so uh i learned i learned that and i focused a lot on that because uh what my grandfather told me was anything that you're gonna do is is worth doing to the best of your ability. And, I, and so I, I try to drive that to my to my kids now, which was driven on to me. So I saw, I saw my shortcomings, I saw my deficiencies, and I built on that and I divided on that and, and worked really hard to, to get better and went off to Baghdad. And uh, that's really when that job became real. Uh, I had a lot of buddies that were tankers and they depended on me to keep those tanks rolling. So they can roll out and they can be safe. If I couldn't do a job, I'm putting my friend's life in jeopardy because he's not in the tank. And we got a mission where we need tanks. So that's so that's when it became real. And I had, a, had a lot of sleepless nights, uh, a lot of sleepless weeks, keeping tanks up, keeping tanks running, running and rolling. And uh, 
that really just changed my entire outlook of a lot of things, you know. Uh, Baghdad in 2005, 2000, 2006, 2007 was uh, definitely a pivotal moment in my life and, and changed me forever for, for good and for bad. Mm. So being there, like you said, like too, I mean, like I know it's, you said it helped you out as far as like with your dyslexia and all those things and really changing things for yourself. Like out of your time in the military and stuff like that and being there, what is, um, you know, some of the most important things or like some life lessons that you got out of that? Some life lessons that I got out of the Army, bro. I've been in the Army 16 years. I uh, completely changed my entire outlook of, of how I approach anything and everything. <sighs> Solving problems. Solving problems, no matter if it's a technical problem, whether it's a personal problem, whether it's whatever it is, having the ability to problem solve and think outside of the box to come up with unique and diverse situations that can attack problems as they come, which is fantastic. Uh, so that's why I ended up going to college. Went to college for marketing, getting an MBA and project manager. What's the problem? What can I use to solve it? Uh, and I take away a lot of those skills and here shortly, I'm going to be become a civilian again, uh, about three, three and a half years. I've become a civilian. I haven't been a civilian since I was a teenager and I got to apply those skills that I've learned from the army and from the military into the civilian workplace. And the best skill that I can take off there is, oh yeah, oh, yeah, I can fix a tank. Yeah. I can throw a hand grenade 50 meters. Cool, man. But, uh, can you solve this problem about efficiency in a corporate world. Well, I can. Nice. nice. Give me your problem. Give me my parameters. What's my funding? What's my code? What's my codes? What, what do I have? What don't I have to solve this problem? What can I outsource? What do I, can I not outsource? And applying those things is, is really what's, I think is taken away from it. And on top of, you know, the work ethic, uh, the drive, the motivation, the attention, the detail, all, all the, the the second secondary and auxiliary skills that I picked up from the army, uh, along on top of that, uh, it's really just multifaceted in my ability to re- really do anything. Because I was looking at it too. I remember years ago, man, and and I, and I and I was in that position too, where I just felt lost. I didn't know what I should or what I where I needed to be in life. Um, and I had a cousin of mine. Um, it was a Marine. Um, and I was just really at a point, I was like, you know, I was really thinking about joining the army and I, and I talked to him and I said, you know what I mean? Like, I just, well, thinking about joining, he says, well, why? And I was like, you know what? I, I just want to go because I want to gain a sense of discipline, you know? And, um, mm-hmm. and he looked at me, he's like, if that's what you go for, then don't do it. Like this yeah. is not for you. Um, you know, and, and, and for you, if somebody came to you like that with that mentality, I mean, what would you say to them? Not draw, but I tell people when I've told people, because uh, I was a recruiter, I was recruited for four years. Um, so a little bit of a different motivation when I was talking to kids about joining the army. But there's a lot of kids that I said no to. There's a lot of kids I said, no, I'm not going to put you in. Your motivations are wrong. This, that, or the other, or, or something about your morals didn't, didn't sit right with me. Uh, one guy had a branded 88 on his arm. I was like, what's that about? He's like, oh, that's my high school football jersey number. I was like, no, it's not. You know? And uh, those type of things about 
So what I, what I would say to that about somebody saying, oh, you're going to join for the wrong reasons. It's nobody else's call about what are, what's the right reasons other than yours. Because mm. nobody knows what's in, in, in your heart of hearts. Getting pressured into doing it, feeling that you have to do it because this is what dad did or this is what this is the family legacy is that you're going to serve because this is what the family does. That's not the right reason for it. Only you know what's the right reason for it. Only, only you know what's right. Only you know what's wrong. Um, when I was a recruiter, a lot of what I told kids is I can give you the information, I can guide you, and I can help you, but I cannot make the decision for you. I can give you all the information in the world for you to make the right decision. Sometimes this is the right decision. Sometimes this isn't the right decision. So, and that's the, I'm glad you said that too, because I and I think along with myself too, and maybe a lot of other people is that they feel maybe like recruiters or it's, it's trying to just convince you into joining, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, or just to get more bodies in there, Um, you know, and I get, and it's clearly not the case, you know, you know, like you said, I think it all goes back to, like you said, important morals and stuff like that, because I guess I would go a lot of my head. Like if I was in this position and I was a recruiter and I let somebody in that I knew, you know, wasn't in there for the right reasons, or maybe was that snake in the grass. I'm just, putting so many different people lives in danger yeah yeah and uh, a big part of it was man you don't know i don't know who i'm putting in um because talking to these kids these kids are 17 18 years old for a lot of a lot of my uh my mission was geared towards uh high school seniors that was the the, the main push when i was recruiting i don't know if it still is or not so they're young uh young kids young men uh young women so I don't really know how they're going to turn out and ended up uh, when I left recruiting and I went to uh, fourth infantry division out in Fort Carson, Colorado, I uh, went over to Kuwait uh, for about nine month rotation. I ended up seeing a kid that I had put it, ended up seeing two kids that I had put actually three, uh, three of the kids that I had put in the army in that unit. Uh, one of them is fantastic. Uh, he was a corporal at two years. He was doing great, you know, great, amazing things. Uh, another guy ran into a couple years later. He was already an NCO. He was doing fantastic things. And then there was this one guy who was getting shoot out uh, in front of the, the chow hall, in front of the dining facility there because he, he wasn't doing so hot. He wasn't doing so well. So he goes up and, you know, he's getting ripped out in the middle of him getting chewed out. He's like, oh, hey, hey, Sar Welton, how are you doing? He's like, oh. he's like, how the hell you know that guy? He's like, oh, he's my recruiter. He put me in the army. The guy looked over at me dead ass. He was like, he's like, it's your fucking fault I have this kid? I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> Sorry, man. Wow. wow. He was 17. What do I got? What do I know? Right? Anyway, <laughs> I'm walking off. Uh, so, so I just said that too. Like, I mean, going in there and, and, and as we're winding down, man, um, I guess, like I said, for people out there, for you personally and maybe a little insight, man, what has been the hardest part of being in the military? The hardest part about being in the military is the constant moving. The moving, whether if I'm permanently locating to a different part of the country or a different duty station, or I have to go on a rotation, or I have to go on a deployment where I'm away from my family and away from my kids. Uh, that's hard for me. Another part that's really hard for me is I'm in the Army. All my friends are in the Army. They have kids. They have kids my son's age. They have sons, friends my daughter's age. They become friends. They leave. Mm. So it just doesn't impact me. 
In the last two years, my son's lost four of his best buddies. They're gone. And that's that's tough. The constant change is yeah. is tough on, on us, especially once we decided that we're gonna we're gonna set down some roots for a couple of years and we're gonna start getting some some morals and we're gonna build some foundations here. That became hard because we stayed still and other people left. So that's been the the hardest thing for me. Um, you know, when I when I came in, it was uh, before the surge in Iraq. It was it was you know I, I joined up knowing I was going going over there. Kids nowadays, they're not. Uh, so part of what's what's really hard for me is saying I have experiences and I have skills that a lot of people don't have. Anymore. I have. I've seen things that people see in movies, people read about in books. Uh, they've done things that people do in video games, right? Uh, if I don't pass on those skills that I've learned to this newer generation, who will? So that's been the that that inner the inner monologue of mine about why I stayed in. It's part of the reason about why I stayed in is this: I have these skills. I need to pass them on to the next generation because if I don't, who will? Right. So on the two different fronts, uh, that's the most difficult thing about it. On the on the family side and on the civil side, it's moving locations, losing friends, gaining new friends who sometimes aren't, yeah, they're not the best people, but they're the best people around. Right. Uh, so, and then on the other side, it's, um, I'm senior. I'm a senior guy now. I, I oversee and I dictate the training for 150 plus people. Can I get them ready for the next conflict that's going to kick off? And that's that's my mission. That's that's why I keep on doing it for now. Uh, but I can't do it forever. And my time's coming to an end here shortly. And when I when I walk out, when I walk away. Uh, that's going to be the, the the hardest part is that no longer the civil considerations are going to go by the wayside of I don't have to worry about moving anymore because now um, I'm captain of my own ship. Right, right. I decide where we go, when we go, why we go versus who's training the next group of guys, who has seen the things that I've seen, who can prepare the guys for the things that are coming. If it's not for me, so all I can do is hope that hope that I'm doing a good job at it. Uh, hope that I'm training the the next group group of guys and, and girls to to come home safe for when uh what metal hits the meat. I got you. I got you. Now, and, and we talked about like a little bit earlier about like you said legacies and stuff like that. And and for you, I mean. Being a military dad and your kids seeing you coming and going and stuff like that, I mean, have they ever expressed any interest in the military themselves? And and if they do, would you encourage or, you know, I mean, from what's your experience or would you kind of want to find them a different path? So my son said a couple of times that he's like, oh, yeah, I'm probably going to join the Army. And uh, I'm going to talk him out of it because if he wants to do it, he's going to have his own self-motivation. He's not going to do it because he's going to feel any pressure from me. Uh, if anything, the exact opposite. But I was like, oh, yeah, you want to be in? Come on, let's go for a run. And I go out there and I'll run them in the, the middle of the day in Alabama when it's 100 plus degrees outside and I'll go about a quarter mile. He's like, 
this sucks. I want to go back home. <laughs> so, uh, oh, you want to be in the army? This is what it's like, boy. Let's go. Uh, that type. But I wouldn't encourage or discourage. I would let them make up their own minds. And again, I would give them their all my experiences and all my knowledge and all the things that I have seen and all the things that I have done unfiltered and let them give that information and make up their own mind. And then of course, uh, I would definitely go with them with a the recruiter to make sure that they're getting a straight shot, that they're not getting sold a bag of goods over some bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a real point. And I've always encouraged that too. I think that's one of my best things when it comes to with my kids or just anybody in general, you know what I mean? Like I don't, try to convince anybody to do anything or any which way. You know what I mean? I give you the good and the bad and you do it at what you will. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you, cause again, like it, I, I don't know if it's like trying to be safe. Cause again, I don't want to try to be again, like be blamed to be forced. Cause like, Oh, I force you to make a decision. I'm not forcing anybody to do anything. You know what I mean? I want you to have a clear understanding of everything that goes along with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And again, if you can deal with the goods and the bad, the consequences, and then the choice is up to you. You know what I mean? Like, but it, like you said, that it also has to come out of you, your heart, and stuff like that. Because again, I think as you're saying that too, I mean, that'd be a very scary idea. Like, you know what I mean? Like being in the trenches and the guy next to you is like, oh my God, like I really so and so told me to be here. And I'm like, you know what I mean? Like, and you got to rely on this dude. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah, man. I, I've worked with a lot of second generation and third generation uh, troopers. And they're like, oh, my dad was a sergeant major of this, this, and this. He's done all these great things. I'm like, yeah, but you're a scumbag. But you're not, you're not living up to your father's legacy, but you're still riding on the co- uh, coattails. It's like, right. why don't you drive and be a better NCO? Why don't you drive and be a better officer? Why don't you drive and be a better soldier? Because right now, I think it'd be more important to, to be the type of soldier that your father would be proud of serving with, not just riding on a legacy that nobody here cares about, because I only care about is what you're doing today. Right, right. So, as far as, you know, getting my kids to join, I, I'll give them no false realizations of you're going to do this because this is for the family. It's not. But they're going to do it because they want to do it, not because of anything that I've done. And if anything, I'll tell them, keep my damn name out of your mouth when you're in there because you make your <laughs> own legacy. Right. No, that's definitely, you don't have that, feel that pressure or anything like that. And and, and I guess it's a, in a sense too, like for me, like why I didn't, well, I was so happy to have a son, but I was like, I'm not going to give him my name. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I was named after my dad. Me and my brother have the same name. Like, there's three of us there. We all share it. It's just, you know what I mean? Like, I want my kids to be their very own individuals. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, make their own name, be who they want to be, um, you know, and find their own way. You know, I'm a guy in the best that I can and, and help them and give them the best advice that I absolutely can. Um, but I want them to find their own way. You know what I mean? Like, and be able to say that I did this, you know, for me and what I learned and, and what I, well, the effort that I put in, you know, it, um, it's, it's, that's a, it's important for, for young men and for young women to like that, make their, their own identity. Yeah. To blaze their own path. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and that, that's what I was saying to my kids. And, and, and just in general, as we winding down here, Dan, I got like two last questions for you. Um, yeah. So, so for you, what do you think has been the best advice that you've ever received? The best advice that I'd ever received, I think, I don't know if it's the best advice, but I think it's probably the most unique advice I'd ever received, 
uh, again, it was when I was driving around uh, with my dad and we, he was going around closing out accounts. And we ran into this uh, this older gentleman who ended up living in a boatyard because he wouldn't sell it. So he had a house in the back of a boatyard. And going there, we're going there early in the morning. This guy's already been hitting the bottle. And he goes up there and he's like, oh, you're going to come on in. You're going to sit down. You're going to have a drink with me before I give you your money. So I'm going on in there. It's early in the morning. And he's talking. And this guy's an old World War II veteran. Uh, and he was... My, son, my dad's like, hey, that's my boy. He was thinking about joining joining the military. Got any got any advice for him? He's like, uh, never be with your friends. He's talking about. He's like, when you're going over the hill, you never want to be with your friends. You want to be next to somebody that you don't like, and you just give them a push. <laughs> and I was like, what the heck? Uh, find that 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 man was in D-Day. Uh, so wow. that was probably the most unique advice I'd ever heard in my life. Uh, and it's something that has really resonated with me from, you know, 15, you know, 15 or 20 years later, uh, still remember it. So that's probably the most unique advice. Uh, and probably the best advice I'd have is on, on top of whatever you do, give it your, give it your all, give it all your effort. Uh, would be be the man that you want to be around. Wow, uh, that's important too. Like I, I and I forgot who it was, man. I don't know if it was like Matthew McConaughey or something like that and stuff. And he was like, you know, I always try to be the man that I want to be ten years from now. You yeah. know, and if I keep that mentality, I'm never going to catch him, but I'm always going to do better. Yeah. You know, and, I, and that was one of the things I was like, wow, man, that, that's 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 pretty deep. And I think that's that's kind of what I've started, you know, doing more and more over the last couple of years is because I've, I've was been beating up myself for so long and for so many reasons. And and, and, and I started to sit back. I was like, you know what, like I only per and especially more so when I had my kids, I was like, you know what, I need to be the best version I can possibly be in myself. I mean, I'm not worried about what, what, you know, anybody else thinks other than, you know, what my kids think of me, you know, and, and when my daughter, she like just a little while ago, she said to me before bed, she's like, you know, dad, you're the best dad ever, you know, and it was like, you know, I want to keep, I want to keep trying to be that, you know what I mean? Like, and I want to keep striving to be more and do better and stuff like that, because I want to, for my daughter, be the example of the man that I would want her to be with one day, you know, so I want to care for her and know what she's looking for. Um, and for my son, you know, be the best man you could possibly be, yeah. you know, be somebody who's honorable, who's trustworthy, people could depend on and rely on and who's there for people at all, any given time, you know, and really have those strong morals, like, and I said before about loyalty, honesty, um, and, and really, you know, do what you say and say, you know what I mean? Like that, that's yeah. what I'm saying is, but just do what you say and say what you do. Yeah, uh, every father is a hero in their son and daughter's eyes, in their child's eyes, and it's up to it's up to us to stay that way. Yeah, definitely, man, definitely. And and, and for you, I don't know, probably one of those things too when it comes to looking at the younger generation. But what would be some advice that you want to give to the younger generation and all these people coming up? Uh, so the younger generation, I would say, is is don't be afraid of hard work. Don't be afraid of what others say, and don't let social media impact your life. Um, everybody uh, 
every man is a, a hero in their in their child's eyes, but it is it's up to us to stay that way. Right. It's up to us to be be the men that our children deserve, our children expect, our our partners deserve, our partners expect. Uh, for a younger generation that that maybe running around and, and thinking that this is uh, have, having three different babies to three different women is the, the right call. It's it's not. And then as a first option, then I get texts from, from random baby mamas asking how come this guy's not paying his child support. Like, I don't know who you are. How did you get my phone number? First of all, right. but be the, be, yeah, be the man that, that others would want to be around. That's the, that's the best advice I could give anyone in the future generation, especially any young men coming up. Be the man that you would want to be around, whether that's good, that's bad, that's whatever it is. If you want to run the streets and you think that's what you want to be around, go ahead, run the streets, man. But it's not going to be a long, fulfilling life. No, absolutely, man. I think it is. And I think that you said just real quick, touch on that about the whole social media thing and going on there because that's that's been the the – what I personally feel has been a huge cause of all of this depression has happened more because everybody's looking out and, and, and seeing people leave these magnificent lives and all these things through, you know, likes and shares and stuff like that. And really get the wrong impression. Cause you, and in my last podcast that I did, I spoke with one of my, um, two episodes, like I said, one of my friends, uh, Rich Towsick, who was also in the military. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had said that one of his, uh, one of his instructions or people there, they said, you know, how everybody says like oh the grass is green on the other side but he also said be don't be fooled by that green grass you know what i mean like because you don't know what's in it what happened what had to go through it to get it that way you know what i mean like so don't be fooled and don't don't get tricked into that because god knows what went in there no and uh and you can't keep up with the joneses yeah. whatever this guy has uh it's something that my grandfather told me once man uh is a my brother had a had an ice cream truck for a summer and I was out helping him out. And we got we got done for the day and he's out there, he's counting money. Grandpa was over for dinner. He's got all this cash and counted it out. He's like, Hey, he's like, hey, like, hey Pops, you see how much money I made today? He's like, you know, nobody likes a bragger. Whatever you have, you keep it to yourself. Nobody wants to know how much money you have. Nobody wants to see how flashy of a of a car you drive. Because not everybody can have that. And that's going to breed jealousy. And that's going to breed animosity. And that's going to breed haters coming down on you. So live your life the best way that you can. And be be modest. Be humble. Mm-hmm. Because not everybody can have what you have. And you can't have what other people have either. So be right. humble and be grateful for what you do have. But don't brag about it. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's very deep. That's very deep, man. So, I mean, it, it's it's been an amazing conversation, man. I'm I'm so happy I got to catch up with you and share these things, man. And I'm, I'm you know, I wish you complete safety. And and I, and I think about you too. I mean, I know what, which I got to change that as more to I me, mean, like you know, reach out and, and do more of these conversations with you and stuff. Because again, you guys and your family played such a pivotal role in, in the type of person I am today. And and you know, knowing what these things are. Anything's going out there with it with the military and war and stuff like that. Again, I get panicked because I know you're in the military. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and I don't want to, you know, get any bad news. And same thing for your brother being part of the NYPD. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to um, 
live my life on those what if, could have, should have, would have, have, you know what I'm saying? Those conversations and stuff like so. I definitely want us to, to be more in contact and, and talk a little bit more. And you know, like I said, especially your time is going to be coming up and, and you'll be done with the military. We got more time to hang out and, and you know, get our families together and, and, yeah, and again, just really live things like we used to, man, and just share those things. Cause I, I, I do like, I, I'm dying for my wife to see this so she can see you and meet you because I talk to you. I talk about you to her constantly. You know what I mean? Like different type, like, dude, man, I still listen to Metallica, ACDC, you know what I mean? Like sitting in your room, just jamming out, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it's just, and you know, to just, Again, and I don't know if it doesn't have to be said, man, but thank you and helping me grow as a person and really just opening up your life and, and all those things to me all those years ago, man, and continuing to do so, fam. Hey, thank you, bro. Thank you for having me out on, on this podcast and the ability to, to to share a little bit of my story, man. And uh, just just you as a person, brother, you've been, uh, been an inspiration to me for, for a long time, just with your drive, grit, and dedication. So Thank man, you. Thank you, man. Keep on digging, brother. Oh Keep yeah, man. I, I, I went to a couple of events. I went to an event today back at school and I made some, some, some connections and meet these people and stuff like that. And, and like I said, man, I just, I'm constantly um, receiving affirmations and all these things that I'm, I'm right on, on, I'm on, on, I'm on the right path. And I'm doing what I need to do. And I'm so happy um, and feeling so fulfilled. Cause like you said before about like keeping up with the Jones and stuff like that. And I want to add on to that is that do and be what makes you happy. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, regardless of what anybody else thinks of it, because people are always going to have an opinion. Like we said about raising our kids, people are always going to have an opinion about what you do with your kids or what you do for a living or, or how you interact with whatever. Like, everybody's always got an opinion. But the only opinion that yeah. should matter is yours. You know what I'm saying? Like, do what makes you happy and you will never, never be sad again. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. You got you to gotta do what's right for you. You only, only you know what's right in your heart of hearts. And that's what it is. Be the man that you want to be. Be the man that you want to be around. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much again, man. And as I always say, everybody, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, your big brother loves you. Stay blessed, everybody.